Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. This is season eight, episode four. This is episode number 96. Yeah, you're still listening to me. I don't know why. I would have stopped listening to me 95 episodes ago. But folks, it is great to be with you as always. Cavs have gone 3-0 and since the last time you heard from me. Picking up, oh, no, sorry, 2-1. and We lost that game to Chicago. And then Grayson Allen decided to just, I don't know what he decided to do and why he decided to do it, but Alice Caruso suffered the consequences. Before that, Caruso absolutely cooked the Cavs. Do hope he gets well. Hope Grayson Allen gets a lifelong ban at, at this point. We'll see when that happens. But no game. We have play the Bucks tomorrow. Uh, we can talk about that another time. Beat the Thunder, beat the Knicks. I mean, the Cavs have scored under 100 and back-to-back and one back-to-back. It's been a little sloppy, but we're 29-19. and 19. Didn't have Lowry and didn't have Jared Allen. Still got the win. Saw Rajon Rondo shoot a clutch three with 20 seconds. That was interesting. But on that Rajon Rondo, no, we introduced today's guest. He's the host of the 360 Sports Show. And I'm not sure if I have any, but if I do have any Rhode Island listeners from the past, he is the voice of the Salve Regina Seahawks, my own college's rival, but we both went to the same school at different times. He is fantastic at what he does. His name is Andrew Pazelli, and he's joining Across the Cavs. Welcome, my friend. What's up, Zach? Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. We've been we've been trying to finagle something. I don't think we've we've done a recording together since last. It might have been. Around this time, I, ha- I had you on the 360 Sports Show, and I remember we were talking a lot about Cavs stuff, and Christian, my my broadcast partner on that show, you know, we were kind of saying, you know, we were talking about the Cavs, and we both thought, hey, the Cavs in the next year could be making a leap, and Christian kind of scoffed it off, and we have our show live tonight, and so it's kind of funny. We're going to get to talk about this, and hey, I can bring it up with him. Look at the Cavs now. Um, so, uh, I'm interested to talk about this self, uh, you know, obviously from my perspective, I'm a Boston guy, uh, and I have, I have a different perspective than, than you do, but I've, I've been impressed with this Cavs team from afar. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. And before we do that, uh, so folks tomorrow, if you did not remember tomorrow, will mark two years, since the very tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, the helicopter crash in Calabasas, along with eight other people, his daughter, Gianna. Yeah, baseball coach John Altabelli, his wife and his daughter, Sarah and Peyton Chester, Christina Mauser, who was an assistant with Kobe's team. And then the pilot, Ara Zabolian. And so very sad. It'll have been two years. So uh, real quick, Andrew, I know you told me you had a story uh, in regards uh, to Kobe. So uh, take it away. Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody who's in the sports world and, and does things like we do and has podcasts and shows you know, that week, you know, whatever stories you were going to do, everything stopped because you just had to talk about this. And I think everybody by now, we all know the impact Kobe had and um, what will be missed from him and his legacy in the game. And I think the continued impact he was going to have after basketball, we'll just never know. Um, Obviously, he will have an impact um, just because of so much he did and was starting. But so we don't need to go too far into that. I I just think it's crazy that it's been two years. Um, And you think back to that time, you know, the worst things that were happening at that point was like people were like all freaked out over these wildfires in Australia. Uh, and I remember I had a little get together with friends because remember, this is pre-COVID. Yes. <laughs> this Different is times. a pre-COVID event, yes. which is like insane to now think about. That's like, oh, yeah, Australia was burning. Kobe died. Oh, and then a pandemic happened. Like, mm-hmm. 
everything that whole time january to march 2020 is just such a blur but i'll never it's one of those things you'll never forget where you were i had friends over we had uh, a little get together uh, on a sunday it was the bye week between the championship round and the super bowl and i said hey guys we have a free weekend let's come over we made a whole bunch of food we're sitting around we're watching goodfellas and all of a sudden all of our phones bing 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 and everybody you know you know most people ignored it we're focused on the movie and then i just happened to look and I see the notification. It's like TMZ. It says, you know, Kobe Bryant has died in a helicopter crash. And I said, I, I just aghast. And I said, guys, we got to let's pause this. And they're like, what's going on? I said, Kobe Bryant's dead. Everybody's what? I mean, there's just like 12 people here and some of them non-sports people. And even the non-sports people are like, no, what? And that whole day, like the next like hour, just like we stopped. You know, it was just discussion. It was internet, you know, trolling. Like, is this real? What's happening? And turning on the, the news to see, like, what's going on. Um, you know, that at that point felt like the worst thing in the most disruption, life disrupting, like, moment. Um, obviously, the next <laughs> month and a half, you know, yeah. we all know what happened with the world. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy to think that it's been, already been two years and then also – you know, knowing that was such a big deal then and all the things that were yet to come, just a crazy time. And obviously, like I said at the beginning, just still unfortunate that we'll never get to know um, the impact Kobe would have had on the game after playing, because I think it was going to be maybe even bigger than his play on the court. Yeah, absolutely. And in short, for me, I've talked about this a couple of times, so I'll, I'll go back, you know, for, for memory's sake. And I do have, I have a little writing piece I'm putting out tomorrow, which honestly – putting everything down makes you remember just how crazy it was. I mean, before I talk really quick, just a reminder, folks, 10 players changed their number from eight or 24 immediately. You had guys like Trey Young and Joel Embiid wearing other eight or 24 the very next day. I mean, this was major. My, me only before 81, which I thought was great. But the thing that resonated the most with me was I never get sports texts from my mom. It's rare. We are very close, but sports have never been a big thing. 2004, my brother and I were hanging out. Hey, did that Scott Vince Carter? Is that good? So, yes, that was good. Uh, and then 16 years later, uh, so I was getting ready to go pick up my friend for lunch. I hadn't seen him in about a year. And my mom is out having lunch with my brother. And so he gets a message and it says, Kobe died. And she texts me and saying, sorry about Kobe with a sad emoji. I'm thinking, well, what? Oh, LeBron passed him on the scoring list because sometimes she'll text me small things because that happened the night before, two years yeah. ago today. And then she said, no, he died. And I was like, what? And then I looked at TMZ and confirmed it. And so me, me being someone that whenever I drive, you know, I need music. I need something. I just can't if I'm by myself. I need something. I can't just sit in silence. Drove in complete radio silence about 10 minutes to his house. Picked him up. We went and ate. And I went back. We went back. I sat. It was him. It was him and his brother, his parents. We were there for maybe two hours just watching the news and everything reflecting on what had happened and to think about how that day started and ended. And then for me, I didn't watch the NBA until the 29th. I needed three days to just decompress, understand the news, which people that know me from across the Cavs to people that have known me before I started recording this and to Andrew, you've known me, I watched the NBA religiously. And so this for me just kind of hit me in a different way. And this, this is somebody that didn't even like Kobe until maybe right before he got hurt when he went on that crazy stretch then came back out and shot the free throws. And as soon as he came back, I'm like, all right, can't take this for granted. So I started cheering for him, but it was just such a crazy time. So 
any other thoughts before we move to talk about uh, the Cavs, of course, Andrew? Uh, not much. I think I think we both kind of covered it. Um, yeah, it's, the league shut down for that, and and then it shut down again. <laughs> it's just yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's just all in that mix of the blur of the last two years. Um, still surreal to this to this right now to think about it. You know, when you think about it again, like yeah, Kobe Bryant, it's surreal. And like you said, everybody the night before, I mean, me and Christian taped a show talking about LeBron versus Kobe and him passing him and who was the better player. How can you compare them and all that sorts of stuff? And then pff, everything that just, you know, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, but thus is the world. So absolutely. But all right. So again, RIP Kobe, it has been two years, which is just crazy to comprehend but we go from kobe to talking about an all-star in the making in cleveland everyone's heard me talk about him on every episode we're gonna go right to you andrew this is darius garland we look at his averages on the year he is averaging a team high 19.7 points eight assists 1.3 steals he's averaging almost four turnovers but that is because of the bulk of everything is on him he has to the amount of tough passes he makes Three rebounds. He's shooting 36% from three. What is your opinion as a Celtics fan of Mr. Darius Garland, son of former NBA star Winston Garland? Yeah. Uh, Celtics fan and avid NBA consumer like yourself. Uh, obviously impressed with the numbers and what he's doing uh, statistically and on the court, but that's not what's impressing me. What's impressing me is the way that he's handling himself off the court and the things he's saying. Um, you know, he talks about how he's, He's been getting texts from guys like LeBron and guys like Katie and Steph Curry, you know, reaching out to him, giving little uh, bits of, you know, tidbits and, and pointers. Uh, and I think I saw, I think maybe it was either before last night's game against the Knicks or after it, talking about how even though they're playing really well and they had the success, how they still have to have that underdog mentality. I just think that's wisdom beyond years because so many guys um, – can look at the Boston Celtics with this guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Uh, what's the thing people complain about, you know, having, keeping that edge, um, you know, you have success when you're young, it's easy to get a big head. And I think for him to already just be saying those things, like, listen, it doesn't matter that we're like a game and a half out of first place in the Eastern conference. Like, and we're playing well, we have to still go out there. Like we're the underdogs. Like we got to prove everybody wrong. Like we have to, we have to be the hardest playing team uh, that right there. I mean, I think he will be an all-star, um, but just being an all-star and having the stats doesn't matter to me. I think the fact and the way he's conducting himself and the things he's saying, that's leadership. And that is way more impressive to me than anything he's doing on the court. Yeah. And we look back over the last couple of weeks, Donovan Mitchell said to the media, he should be an all-star. We saw Steph Curry make a really generous public statement. And I was watching him with a Sham Sharania just so, and he's not a guy that's going to say too much, but he's just so wise beyond his years. So my part two Andrew here, and this has been tough for me as a Cavs fan and for all of us Cavs fans, not, not having Sexton around this year. It uh, was against the Knicks where Rubio had 37 and 10 assists somehow. That was the game Colin got hurt and obviously will miss the rest of the year. Do you think that Garland could have made this type of leap to this level if they if he had Colin next to him all season? Or do you think this is partially a product of added responsibility, so added leadership, added playmaking, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I'm going to guess that a guy who's saying these things would have been saying them regardless. You know, there's just some people who are just wired that way to have that mentality. And I think that would have come out, 
Um, do I think he would be an all-star? No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have gotten the opportunity, the bulk opportunity to get the touches uh, and, and accumulate the numbers. Um, so I, I think probably his all-star chances would have been hurt. Um, but I think his leadership development would have happened you know, regardless, because the team, I think, still would have been successful with Colin, with Sexton around. Um, and so all those same things would apply. Um, I think maybe he would feel more pressure to say it publicly the way he is because people are asking him because, like you said, now the focus is on him. Um, but uh, I, I think if he's, you know, he, he, these things would have been said behind closed doors uh, and with the team anyways. Um, It'll be interesting to see, you know, going forward, you know, how does all that get handled as far as now, you know, you know, recarving out roles and things um, when Sexton returns, if Sexton returns, you know, these are all these sorts of machinations, people. It's what happens when you don't play and somebody plays well, all of a sudden fans start to say, oh, he's expendable. Just get rid of him. Yeah. Um, so um, which I'm sure we'll get into some of that stuff a little later on. But uh, yeah, I think I think. He wouldn't have been an all-star, but I think his development in this nature would have continued regardless. Yeah, because we were all talking about, oh, Colin's going to be an all-star this year. Oh, he's going to do that. He's going to represent Cleveland in the game in, our, in the city this year. But nonetheless, you may have two all-stars. We're probably going to have guys in every event. And with the new Rising Stars Challenge with four extra roster spots now being added, we should be able to see a Coro in there to join Mobley. But, okay, so here's the, ne here's the next thing we got. J.B. Bickerstaff who has done an incredible job as coach this year, and Kobe Altman, who's done a really nice job as GM, were both under a bit of fire by the end of last season. They started strong. They finished hardly. They had had Drummond. You know, they had some – they didn't have a great roster at the end of the season. They were getting injured. How are they going to improve? So Kobe Altman goes out, drafts Evan Mobley, trades for Ricky Rubio, gets Lowry Markinen, and then on JB's side, I think, whatever he did – when they weren't all together, whether I don't know what Lamar Stevens did during the off season or Jetty Osman, they have come in in incredible shape playing so much better than what we saw last year. And it's been big. So both guys inked long-term extensions this year, both were probably fighting for their jobs. And so this being said, Jared Allen got his money. Cavs are 29 and 19. We are well ahead of Boston, which honestly amazes me given uh, the Celtics are for another story. You can do it across the Celtics another day because there's <laughs> plenty to talk about with that team, even having only watched about five or six of their games this year. But all in all, an outside perspective, Andrew, what do you see with the Cleveland Cavaliers this season? Um, I think at the beginning of the year, you looked at it and we've seen this, you know, from some teams. I think the T Wolves last year started like seven and one and it was like, Oh, here we look, this is so cool. And you know, then it, that ended up being a fluke. Um, so clearly not a fluke, you know, the Cavs started really well. And I think some people said, well, let's, let's see how this bears itself out. Clearly not a fluke. You get to this point in the year. It's, it's not a fluke. Um, you know, you've played enough games. You've played everybody pretty much by this point. It, it's not a fluke. Um, and I think this team reminds me of, of two teams from recent memory. Okay. Um, one, which obviously I had a really good front row seat to, which was the 2015-2016 Celtics. This is the year, the first full year with Isaiah Thomas. Um, and, and, and a team that was like a four seed, the same type of scrappy, overachieving, hard-nosed team with, with some young guys mixed in with veterans. Um, and also the 2019-2020 Brooklyn Nets. Um, same deal. Young, kind of a rebuilt team, scrappy, hard-nosed. Nobody wants to play that team. You know, the team nobody wants to play. Um, 
I think that this Cavs team has been, as you said, they've been rebuilt smartly. Uh, and hopefully they can stay smart throughout the success. Um, I would just keep building what you have. Um, the main difference between, like, say, that Celtics team uh, and this is that it's mostly the young guys who are really, like, carrying the torch. Um, so, um, for the most part. Uh, I think you keep it together. You see where it goes. Uh, don't need to go looking for the bigger fish like Brooklyn did. Brooklyn basically blew up that team. Hey, Cavs, thank you, Jer- thank you, Jared, for Jared Allen. Um, and uh, you know to go get Kevin Durant and James Harden and and build their big three with Kyrie Irving. Um, I, I don't think the Cavs as a uh, as a small market team and a team in, you know, a city in Cleveland for better or worse that people are not same with, I mean, Hey, Boston's got the same problems. Nobody's running to go play in Boston. Nobody's running to go play in Cleveland. It's Miami. It's LA. It's New York. Those are the places people will always come to play. So you have a good team. That's going to be competitive and you're kind of home, you know, building it um, with some complimentary veteran pieces. You don't screw that up. Uh, Cause at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's a business. They want to put butts in seats. Um, and I think it can it can work. I mean, I, I do think it can work. Um, so I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully, like you said, they've built it smart. Keep it smart um, for now. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of keeping smart, I do hope you guys do that. But we can talk about that another day. As, as you said, well. across the Celtics is another day. <laughs> across the Celtics is another day. Yeah, I really like pretty much every point you made. I may have meant the 18-19 Nets, though, versus the 1920s where we had the bubble, we had the stoppage. 18, no, that's, about- that's, no, that's the oh, one that I'm talking about. that is the team you meant. That's the, that's the team I'm talking about. The LeVert um, squad. The LeVert squad. I mean, uh, and I'm coming out of that bubble like season, I, I looked at the Nets and said, this team is up and coming. And they're going to – I know they're going to do it. They're, they're going to blow it up to go get, like, James Harden. They're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do this stupid stupid move and they're gonna say you are you're gonna be you know you're adding back Kyrie and KD and you've got all these young guys that yep. team played defense so you've got a good team that's young that's playing well you've got rising because guess what hey in three four years you know KD's starting to tail off we don't know how long he's gonna play hey you know Spencer Dimwitty Karis LeVert now these guys start to take more of the mantle and you can kind of like roll it over instead they blew up their team to get james harden and guess what now you're like pulling guys off the slag heap blake griffin come on you know just like tape it up get back out here yeah you know lamarcus yeah. aldridge not just uh just put put you know rub some dirt on it you know tie that off you can you can come back in and play and you're filling in with you know just guys that know, aren't jared allen pretty yeah, much scotch tape and twigs um so it's you know hey who knows it could work out for them i don't think it will um, and, and you know what the issue but, is, and I'm just on the nets because the Cavs and them are connected, obviously, through Torian and through him and through Joe Harris, who I hope gets well soon. The big issue with the nets, obviously, part of it was health, but they also kind of knew that Duran has had health issues. He missed half of last season before the playoffs, probably played a toll. And what happened? Kyrie hadn't been able to stay that He gets hurt hard and was playing on one leg. Nonetheless, the Bucs did fairly beat them, but I do believe if they had Jared Allen or someone else that could get Giannis more in the paint, it would have been a different story because they had absolutely no answer. Plus, they were barely playing their bench. Aldridge had retired, and rightfully so. He got himself right, and I'm happy he's back. Yeah. But, yeah, getting back uh, to the Cavs side of things, I, I do like both of those comparisons. Jared Allen has been a godsend. I mean, it's been just over a year, year and a week since we first got him. The fro. I mean, the fro. I mean, I do miss Iron Eagle calling his stuff but nonetheless you know i look at the Cavs this year it's been the combo of him and mobley 
And now what are your thoughts on Lowry Markkinen, who uh, he's hurt right now with an ankle. He should hopefully be back soon, but he's not averaging great numbers, but his defense has been great. His shooting has been big and he has hit a couple of clutch threes. It's a perfect situation. I mean, you know, a guy that's, you know, kind of comes to Chicago with some expectations and then, uh, you know, gets, gets the change of scenery. And as you said, given a role, I, I think a lot of guys, rookies, it's sometimes hard um, when you're drafted in the first round, what's expected of you. Um, and I think so many guys, and if they go to the right situation, you know, obviously now being on the Cavs, it's a good situation for him because he has a role. And I, I don't, you know, there's not this like, oh, this is the building block piece. Um, I never, nobody ever looked at him that way. And I think that's what kind of starts to happen or guys put that pressure on themselves. Um, so I think he's in a, in a really good spot. And I mean, you mentioned having, you know, Mobley and, and Allen. What I love about the Cavs is that I saw this comparison online. It's basically like Ents and Hobbits. You've got all, you know, you've got the, the, the big guys and then the small guys, uh, which is really interesting for today's NBA, where it's basically, you know, all the tweeners. It's like, Hey, you've got five guys who are six, eight, that's it. Um, out there on the floor, um, and the Cavs obviously have a uh, a different approach, um, which which I like. That's the point of basketball. Different. You're supposed to be able to win with different styles, so um, it's exciting. Yeah, and a big thing has also been Kevin Love, who was supposed to pretty much be disposable. Oh, we got <laughs> we got four bigs now. How is this going to work? But he has been incredible. Did struggle in the, the late moments of their last game last night. Did hit six threes first, get another winning. Winning cures all. I think he was probably hoping to get traded in the offseason, and then he's sticking around. And hey, but you know what? Maybe we're winning. This is kind of fun. Maybe I'm not going to make a stink. So, yeah, and he could. He was a guy that oh, the Nets are going to get him. All these these like fifth and sixth tier reporters were saying all that. And look, I I, I wanted them to be right in that moment. A lot of people did, but. Very happy they have him. They would not be having the success if he was not here. And so obviously he will not win sixth man of the year, but he should get a couple of votes. Tyler Hero pretty much has it unlocked if he plays enough games. But okay, we got two more points to talk about here. We're actually going to flip the order of what was scheduled because one immediately goes into the other. So Andrew, the trade deadline is coming up. Believe it or not, folks, it's going to be two weeks from Thursday. Time really does fly. It'll be February 10th this year. Who do you think is a guy that if the Cavs get him, you might say, you say, hey, this could help them win an extra playoff series, or this could cement the roster, or this could give them the it to push them a little bit over the top and maybe give them a chance against an elite team in a series. You do whatever you can to get Ben Simmons. No, I'm I'm a hundred percent joking. A hundred percent joking. Um there are some guys I'll list, um, and but before that, I'm gonna say like I said before, which is that you've built this thing smartly. There's no need to go fishing right now. Uh, I see reports. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, pass. John Wall, pass. Kyrie, bring Kyrie back. Hard pass. Um, any of that where you're giving up some multiple, you know, young guy. Because all these guys, they're on like $40 million contracts. It's ridiculous. So you're going to be giving, you know, this is not the NFL where it's just like, well, we got fed him in. No, you have to match salary, the all yep. the computations. So for what you'd be giving up for any of the big fish and, and picks as well, it's just not worth it for where this team is right now. It's not like you're saying, oh, none of those guys are LeBron James in his prime. It's, it's the only thing, you know, you give up packages like that for guys like LeBron James. Kevin Garnett, who still has like seven years left, and you're like, we're putting him with two other guys, and this is our, we're rebuilding a team from scratch. No, you've built a team. Um, add to it. Um, 
I look at guys who are the trade targets. You know, you got to look at the teams that are like having down years. They're fringy. Um, I think about Eric Gordon possibility. I know his price tag's a little high, but that's a guy that's going to probably be on the move. Who knows? He wants out. Yep. You know, you could get into a situation where Houston retains some of his salary. Uh, Terrence Ross, Orlando, that's a guy that is just a bucket off the bench. Um, that's Up and a down, guy. but yep, Jordan Clarkson that, 2.0. I'll be yeah. okay with that. Yeah, uh, so I look at guys like that. I mean, if you if you decide, okay, we're willing to move like Okoro. Now you could maybe start packaging some things and you could go get like Buddy Heald, right? Um, who I think is... The Kings last year should have been sellers. Instead, they were like buyers at the deadline and it completely blew up in their face. Um, so I think this year, maybe they won't repeat the mistakes of recent past and they'll be sellers. Uh, so I think Buddy Heald is a guy that's going to be on the move. And depending upon what you're willing to give up. But what what if, get... Would it take a Coro, though, to, to get Buddy Heald versus Terrence Ross, though? Could... Orlando and Sacramento have different needs, but. I think I think more about the numbers. I mean, Heald's number, I think, is 28. I have to double check. I can double check what his. Uh... Yeah, but his contract. I think it's uh, I feel it like is. it's twenty seven five, but uh, regardless, uh, like, you know, so so that's gonna that's gonna require you know you yeah. giving up more guys, and I don't think the the Kings are gonna just take you know, uh, you know five five nickels yeah. for their yeah. quarter and yeah. a whole bunch of picks. Um, that's fair. So you know you're gonna have to give at least some something of sub substance back. Um, yeah, right now, 23 is the cap okay. for, for healed. Um, and it goes down, uh, you know, it's 21 next year, 19 the year after that free agent. And He's two 20, more years on his deal after this, two more years on his deal after this. Right. Um, oh, so you, you look at it and say, Hey, to make us better this year. And we know we have them under control uh, could be worth it. But again, that's like, if you want to start, you might have to get more creative and Hey, to get something, you're going to have to give something um in 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 the nba and you had to decide what that something is worth to you um so those are kind of those are the types of players wing help i mean essentially if you're if you're going to be buying um and you're saying we want to improve this Cavs team i don't think you go for rental guy for like unless it's cheap for one year because it's the long-term view that's why i look at a guy like buddy healed as hey that's like a two three year thing um and he and he'd be a help if you're like just looking to say hey we just want that extra guy honestly you, you know, there's probably some smaller guy, role guys somewhere that could be moved that fit a, like a small need. Um, it would be on the wing somewhere. Um, but if you're going to if you're going to go for some of those guys, those are those look some of the names that jump out to me. Don't go after any of these big fish. I would be furious as even as a non just as an NBA fan. If I saw the Cavs like trade a whole bunch of these guys to just go get like. De'Aaron Fox, who I think is a fantastic player. He doesn't fit at all. But he doesn't was, fit at all. If we needed a point guard, I would take him in a heartbeat. But we've got um, an all-star already, and we're going to have a second one coming back next and, year. Any any of that, any of those types of moves, trying to go, go – anybody who's making – I mean, Buddy Hillis is, what, making 23? Anybody making more money than that, you're going to have to give up way more than it's worth. You will – you'd gut – all the culture you've built. Yeah, um, and the other thing with that, if you want to get a high-paying guy, you have to include love, which I think they'd be hesitant to do this time around. Smart, smartly so. I mean, they had to move Tristan a couple of years. Or, no, actually, they never ended up trading him, but they looked in. They were looking at him and love at the same time. Nonetheless, here's my last name for you, then we'll talk playoffs. 
So my episode last week, we were talking, I was talking about the magic, but not Terrence Ross. I was talking about Gary Harris. So what would you think of him as a guy fitting with the Cavs? I feel like he's Isaac Okoro with a little more scoring and more experience. That's how I look at him. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of one of those, like I said, it's, it's, it's not quite a lateral move because you do get the experience there. Um, and that's the type of move that would help you this year. You know, that helps you in the playoffs, having having a guy with some experience, a little bit of moxie. Um, so, yeah, that's certainly a move. I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes down to, to the numbers and what you give up and what other teams want. As we know, we've seen for years, it takes two to tango. And so if, you know, a team knows like, oh, my God, we really want Gary Harris. They and and the magic going okay. Well, you know, you got to give us X, Y, and Z. You know, the the same you know player is not going to cost the same for every team. We've seen that for years. You know, look at look at what it took to get Paul George to OKC, and it was like, what? That's the deal after yeah. all this. Um, not get a second trade. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's it's. It'll be interesting. This deadline is going to be very fascinating because I do think there's going to be some big moves and some shifts uh, in, in the NBA. But at the end of the day, it's always these little small moves. And it's and sometimes it's not making a move at all. Um, and if the Cavs don't make a move at all, um, I think that's completely fine for where they are right now as a franchise. Yeah, and if, if they don't, the buyout market will be sizzling with some names that could come in even just as good veterans. And there'll be yep. plenty. Honestly, as an extra big, I'd love to get JaVale McGee back. The only reason I say that as a possibility is because the way Biombo is playing right now for Phoenix could make him expendable, but I'd probably want to keep up. But then they also have Jalen Smith, who they used a lottery pick on. It's his second year. They might want him to get. We'll see. But I'd love to see a potential JaVale return just as an emergency big, given the injuries that happened. But okay, we have one more subject to tackle here, and this is probably the most exciting one. Didn't think I'd – I mean, I thought they'd be good, but I think I pegged the Cavs as 11th when I did my uh, preseason picks uh, for NBA UK on October 1st. So that you didn't know what was going to happen. But, okay, Andrew Pizzelli, Celtics fan, basketball enthusiast, obviously smart Cavs individual as far as how much he knows. What is the Cleveland Cavaliers 2021-22 playoff ceiling? What is the highest they can go? And I ask you this under the pretense that they get one guy, whoever it might be, plus Allen, Markin, and Mobley are all intact for the playoffs. They have their, their uh, trio of bigs in the lineup. Yeah. Um, a lot will depend. I mean, the seating right now is so close. Um, and you always kind of see, you know, will team – how? Down the stretch, is Milwaukee going to care if they're the two or the three? I, I think the Cavs are going to be one of those teams. They have a great shot. They could be the number one team. Um, <laughs> but I think there's going to be some challenges that come with that. What's interesting is you have a team like Boston, who is honestly probably going to be a seven or an eight seed, which would be a really dangerous team for this Cavs team to play, I think. Um Yep. I think I think if I think probably most likely they'll finish three or four uh, in the conference, okay. um, and so you're trying to in the first round avoid Milwaukee, and it sounds crazy to say, but I think avoid Boston because yeah, I don't want to see Boston with the size, the wings, and exactly figure out the guard situation, uh, the, and the, 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 the the matchups, and and plus the playoffs are a different animal, and this Cavs team is going to learn that. 
Uh, you know, I make comparisons to that, like to the 2015-16 Celtics. They learned that. That team had a great year. They were the four seed, and they got, like, gentlemanly swept by the Atlanta Hawks. You know, uh, they went down 0-2, and they ended up uh, – it's, I guess, not a gentleman sweep. Yeah, they, so they, forced a, they forced a game a game six. And they lost the honestly, game. Honestly, it, it, it wasn't close uh, in, their, in their losses. So it's, it's, it's a whole different animal when you get to the playoffs, especially when the team is this young. So how will they handle that? I think if you're, like, the three seed – now you're playing like Charlotte, maybe. Uh, you're playing the Knicks, who might be there. Like you're gonna be playing teams who are kind of gonna be in the same boat as you. Whereas if you play Boston, even though people look at Boston as like, oh, they're the eight seed, like they're having a down year, they're kind of battle tested with their guys. I mean, we see Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both capable of dropping fifty a night. That's what happens in the playoffs. Guys do that, and yep. just, you just shake your head and say, we we can't do anything about this. Um, if you end up being, if you're like the five and Milwaukee's the four, cause of, you know, they might not, you know, really care about their seating. Obviously that's a terrible matchup too. Oh, Mobley can only do so much to Giannis. I actually was uh, thinking about that as a possible series and I'm thinking, okay, who can we be? Can the Cavs make a potential Atlanta Hawks of last year run? And I think about the other teams, like if they could draw a Miami and look, I'm not dissing Miami. Their defense is unreal. When they're have everybody, they might be, they could be the team to come out of the East this year, honestly. So could Brooklyn, so could teams I'd want to see would probably be, and yeah. again, Miami fans would probably kill me and they, they can, because they got Bam, they got Jimmy, they got Tucker, they got Lowry, they got Hero, they got, but I forget which Martin, I think they have Caleb Martin, who's been out of his mind this year. They have Yurtsman and Deadman, two good backup bigs. They're going to get Markeith back. I'm already, I already know I'm missing good players that they have. Max yeah. Truce, Duncan Robbins, that team is just full of everything. But I would think they could win in seven. I'd actually like to see the Nets, to be completely honest, at full strength because Durant is going to get his 40 a game. But how hard is he going to work? Will he wear down? I, I would not want to see the Hawks. If we're like a one or two and the Hawks sneak, because I think the Hawks are going to get into that mix. They're going to, whatever, whatever they blow up, they've won four straight coming into whatever their next game is. And that's since they traded Cam Reddish and they yeah. still don't have everybody. So the Hawks or team do not, I think they're going to advance. We're going to see a lot of upsets, but here's my take. I see conference finals. If, and only if full strength, add another weapon or two, you have your rotation set. Lamar Stevens and Isaac Coral can both play a decent size minutes, guarding better players. Kind of like Tucker did for the bucks without sacrificing offense. We're starting to see Stevens has a jumper now. And you keep your big three healthy and you get scoring from the bench. If you put everything together, that's the case. But realistically, Andrew, I see a either seven, six or seven game first round exit or a second round exit. I think it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, I think definitely if if they finish in the top three, my expectation would be you got to win the first round, um, depending upon, you know, the only team I see that they would struggle with is Boston. If they were like the, the, the one, two or the three seed. I definitely think they can beat Charlotte. They could beat if you know because of the plane. They could beat Toronto. They could they could beat Washington and the Knicks. The Hawks again. You know, depending upon how they finish, can be dangerous. You know, obviously it's kind of like you either get to be the one or the two, or like <laughs> slip slip down into like to six or seven and 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 be playing there um, because if you're in the middle. Um, you're going to be playing like you, your, your path is going to be like Bucks, Nets, 
like heat. Like mm-hmm. it's so difficult. So I, I I do think they can win the first round. I would expect that. Um, in the second round, hey, with the team you have, that is a more than satisfactory um, result uh, and successful season um, to make the playoffs, to win a round, and then at that point, compete. Whoever you're playing, compete. Um, you you be if you're on the road in the second round, hey, you can keep that underdog mentality. Um, obviously, it helps young teams to be at home. So if the one seed, you'd say you'd be at home. But I think if the Cavs are the one seed. Um, I actually think that wouldn't be beneficial to them because now you're like, we're the one seed. And like, now you're the 2017, 18 Atlanta Hawks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, you know, the Raptors, you know, we're the Kings of the East. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we'll see. I think it's going to be a fun year. I'm excited when we get to the playoffs, the Cavs should stay in the conversation. And the biggest thing, do not fall so far that you get below six, avoid the plane at all costs. It is going to be messy whoever's there, because I think Toronto is going to be very hard to beat in a single game. I think Boston's going to be hard. I think the Wizards are very tricky. Someone will lose. Someone will win. It's going to be a lot tighter than last year when the Pacers and Hornets were somehow in there. And so here's my final question for you, AP, and then we will wrap up. All-Star is coming up. We are three weeks away. Is Evan Mobley a rookie of the year? And will Garland and Allen both be in the game? Hmm. I think as of right now, yeah, he's rookie of the year. Scotty, like a really close second, right? Like one or two vote difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 going to be tight. Um, I I I I think as of right now, um, I I don't think so much. I have no idea how they 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 vote. Do they consider like well the success of the team, um, or or do they you know try to say it's just the stats? Um, but I I definitely say right now rookie of the year for him. Um, he's a guy I wanted Boston to get so bad. I was like, oh, you know, I just I have a thing for 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 big uh, for, for guys who play, you know, in the front court who have craft. And I just think he has craft, which is um, kind of a dying thing in today's NBA. Um, as far as uh, the All-Stars. Hmm, I think you have Garland and, and Allen because, you know, what? there's also going to be guys who beg out, you know. And so there's going to be replacements. Yeah, Durant won't probably won't play. So there's a spot right there. So, so I, 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 I think there's, 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 there's definitely spots. So, um, hey, not so hot take. The Cavs will have more All Stars than the Celtics. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Time out, time out, real quick. How? I, I know the East is is tight. Jalen, I, I don't think Jalen Brown gets in. I thought he was their best. People, people are telling me he was their best player like last week. He and is. Tatum's... Him and Tatum are their best players. No, no, who's who's? But Tatum, Tatum's a better player. We we could have a long debate about this. <laughs> yeah. I, I get I get into this with on my show with Christian. You, you know, I think Brown is actually having more of a down year. But by and large, I look at Brown. He's kind of been Tatum's come a long way with his passing, and and Jalen isn't really passing. Isn't necessarily part of his game. He's developing it to become more of a facilitator. <laughs> um. We're, we're, again, we're going to do across the South. Right. Different across day. the South. So I, I could go. I, we're going to go down a rabbit hole here, but I, I, I would be, I would be stunned if both of them are all voted all right. as all stars. I yeah. would be stunned. Yeah, because DeRozan will get a spot ahead of one of them. Levine and one of them will both also be in. I don't. It's the East is good. I really just want to see one more spot. I mean, we have thirteen man active rosters. Give us thirteen man all star rosters because that extra spot could end so many debates. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Come on, NBA. That's all you got to do. Yeah. And it, I think personally, 
uh, it would help guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, especially if Jason Tatum doesn't get an all-star, doesn't make an all-star team. Of all the things that would, like, actually wake him up, like, hey, I got to, like, change my mentality. He just had 51. That, that, would, that would be it. I don't care about 51 in the regular season. I care about going to the rack in a playoff game. He had 50 in a playoff game last year. <laughs> yeah. Again, <laughs> step back jumpers. All right. All right. Fair enough. He's not, he's not number 24 RIP as much as he wants to be. He's still not Devin Booker recently said he was not, I respect that, but also just, he's not even, he's not even this man whose jerseys behind me 34. Uh, He ain't even 34. We don't like him. We don't like 34, but that man could (laughs) shoot. We don't like him, but he could certainly shoot the ball. And I think that Draymond Green saying, you're not Kobe. You're not getting that. Like, okay, fair, (laughs) fair. But like you didn't have to, Stephen. You didn't have to say the, it. We know the, it. The, the reason I hung the Pierce jersey up here, Zach, is because you know what? I speak the truth. Oh, 2008 was not a good year, folks. Woo! Game seven, him and LeBron. But anyway, Andrew has been a pleasure slicing it up and looking forward to getting together again. Appreciate your honest Cavs takes. And honestly, it's great to have non-Cavs fans that knows things about the Cavs again in the world. Yeah. Hey. Again, these are the things that come with success. People pay attention. <laughs> hey, shout out to attention. Hey, first, they were paying insults. They were paying people off. Now they're paying attention. It's priceless, ladies and gentlemen. So that will do it for episode 96, season eight, episode four of Across the Cavs. He's Andrew Pizzelli. I'm Zach Weiss. We have another show coming up for you on Thursday. We'll have Aaron Fishman of On the NBA Beat. So we will see him then. We will see you then. And for now, we'll see you on Spotify, Apple, I heart and wherever you want to listen to across the caps.